Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Abundant Solutions Hour. I'd like to welcome everybody to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to assist you with being more, doing more, and having more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. I also have my co-host on. Her name is Terry Brock. Terry is calling in from Texas. Terry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Terry is the president and CEO of PBAD. Terry, can you tell us a little bit about your company? PBAD is what my kids call it. Um, it stands for Power Behind a Dream. Wow. And it's an, uh, it's a company that I started because of what I was seeing in my community and the youth that I work with. I see so many people around me daily from just a long time uh, ago from when I was a little girl. I noticed that people are making the wrong choices. They are choosing not to pursue their dreams and use their talents and gifts that were given to them by God. And this frustrated me to a certain extent just to the point of where I had to do something. And I formed this organization to empower the youth to follow their dreams and pursue their happiness through using their gifts to benefit others. Wow. You know what? It's, it's interesting, and I'm, I'm so glad that you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. And, uh, you know, what you're doing lines up with today's topic of the show. Uh, today's topic is you can do more. And I think what you're doing is you're bringing out what's already in these children and you're actually telling them that they can do more than what they're doing. And uh, I think you said that you worked at some detention center, was it, I believe, that you, you, you dealt with at, at risk youth? Yes, I did. A few years ago, I took on a position at the local juvenile justice alternative education program. And basically what that is for those who aren't familiar with that, it's, the place that the kids go here in Texas when they're suspended from school for whatever reason they did to get suspended, and they're sent there to be educated uh, in the curriculum that that's associated with their school okay. and just to keep them in the, the, the school process. And what what it is, they bring the kids there. It is a form of punishment, of course, because they did something, obviously, to get there. Right. But what I found in being employed there was that the same thing that I spoke of a moment ago, that choices came into play. The kids didn't have choices. They were basically stripped from them. They were seen as numbers instead of individuals. Uh Um, From the time that they came in in the morning to the time that they left for that day, they were searched when they came in, and I participated in that process a few times, so I know exactly what the process was. We'd search them from head to toe and confiscate anything that they weren't supposed to have. They had to wear a uniform, first of all. Everybody looked the same. And they came in, and we would search them. And after that process, which would take about an hour before classes even started, they would go into the classrooms, and we would continue to teach them whatever they were learning. I had 7th and 8th graders, so we would teach them the classes that were associated with that age level. But in the midst of that, there were gangs from different different parts of of town represented. They came in there with more than just 
you know, they came in there with more than just the fact that they were in there because of something that they did. They came in there with their background. They came in there with their family problems that they had had the night before. They didn't just walk in there just, you know, a clean slate. They came right. in there with all of their all of their situations, and that wasn't being addressed. You know what? I, 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 can, I can understand exactly what you're saying because I'm a motivational speaker here in Tallahassee, Florida, and I spend a lot of my time. Actually, I volunteer every Tuesday uh, from 7 to 8 to go out and speak at a detention center, and the, the very same thing that you're saying, I, I have to do the same thing. The only difference is I don't have to search them. I go in from 7 to 8, and I talk to the guys, and I see a lot of the strict rules that they have, and a lot of the kids are at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Some of their backgrounds are in, in crime is it, so long, it's, it's just crazy. And you try to wonder and you talk with them, you try to figure out, what is it that I can do to help you see that you can do better with your life? And a lot of it comes from, like you said, the backgrounds and their families and a lot of them being raised by other people and not being raised in their in their homes like they should. And a lot of the guys, from talking with them, a lot of them are being raised by television. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys, they tell me, you know, I ask them, what's your dream? Oh, I want to be on BET. I want to, I want to do, and everything that they say that they want to do is centered around entertainment, and they really don't understand and they don't see that a lot of the stuff that they're seeing is just that. It's just a screen. It, it's not real. A lot of it is not real. Do you do you see that when or did you see that when you were talking with your your kids? Oh yes, most definitely. One thing that comes to mind when I was listening to you say that was I had them do an exercise one time. Daily they would have a creative writing assignment where we would put something on the board and they would have to write their thoughts on it. They kept a journal. But today I decided to switch it up and have them be more active, get up and move around because I knew that they were restless. So I had them, I broke them up into groups and asked them to act out what would be their ideal dream that wow. they could live out. Okay. And one group was, we had mostly girls, one group was all girls, and they got up and acted out. It just, my mouth was just open just thinking about it right now. It just takes me back there. <laughs> they, <laughs> they acted out a skit that they had done. They uh-huh. had written it, within 15 minutes, they had written a script where they were basically runaways and and girls on the street. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had pulled their little shirts down, their little uniform shirts down to act the whole thing out. Right. And I asked them when they got through, I was like, okay, you were supposed, the the assignment was to act out your dream, what, what you see yourself being when you get out of here, where you see yourself being when you get out of high school. Why did you act out being promiscuous on the street? And they they looked at me like they didn't understand what I was saying. Right. And one girl said, she said, Miss Brock, she said, where we come from, this is what this is what they do. And I had no idea how to react to that. And then another one of them said, Miss Brock, we can dream, but we know it's not going to come true. 
Wow. Now that that is a killer right there. It sounds like somebody has been speaking death into the lives of these children. And when I talk to a lot of the kids, that's one thing I ask them. I constantly ask them all the time, what's your dream? And a lot of times they tell me different things all the time. It's never, they're not sticking with that one particular dream. They don't, and I ask them, I say, well, what is it that, what's that big dream, that ultimate dream that you have that's, that's pulling at you at night, that's pulling at you during the day that sometimes it makes you daydream? What is it? that you see yourself doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are so embarrassed to tell me about that big dream. And not not just children, adults as well, they do the same thing. A lot of times they, they dream this big dream, but then they also think, okay, it's not going to come true. It's not going to come true as long as you're sleeping. And, Terry, you've heard me say this before. For mm-hmm. your dream to come true, you must first wake up. If you don't wake up, it'll you'll stay in that mode of just being a dream. So you have to take action. You have to take action for things to start happening. And for you to do that, you have to have hope. And a lot of the kids, they don't have that. And they don't understand when you go in and you start talking about faith to them. Hope has to come first. Hope turns into faith. And once these kids start acting on their dream, that's a sign of faith. And the Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. So what do you do? Do you do you have any programs or do you have any exercises that you do to try to build up their hope and, and, and explain to them what faith is? Yes. Uh, at the current moment, I work with with a few youth right now. We work we meet on a weekly call where I give them tips and just encouragement along their path as they're pursuing their dreams. It's a a conference call that we have every Friday night. And this is just you, the call-in? Right. It's it's based for the youth. We have a few adults online that are helping me uh, to help the kids. But also I tell them as they come on, you're not here just to sit on the call. Right. You're here to learn also. We're all learning together. So you, you, make, you, you want everybody to get involved. Right, because I found that it, it doesn't just stay with the youth. Like you said a few moments ago, I see so many adults who are still in their mindset where nothing matters but the present. If I can just make it through this payday to this payday or this time to this time, they're living from moment to moment, and they're not looking beyond that what they could be. So I tell all of my my uh, my sisters who are on the line with me, I'm going to keep you accountable for pursuing your own dreams because we can only lead by example. That's yeah. the best way to lead is by example. So I share with the kids my struggles as I have them, uh, the struggles that I've had in the past. You know, if something comes up where they're they're um, they're stagnant or, or it comes up where they're stumped. Right, right. Yeah, I, I give them tips along to along the lines of what they should do. I give right. them suggestions. I let them come to their own conclusions. I don't work it out for them because right. that's a part of the process. It sounds like your program is designed to give these kids a voice, give them uh, an opportunity to say what I think and what I have to say really matters. Exactly. Is that what, okay. How, if, if one of the kids or if there's parents listening, if they wanted to get in touch with you to call in on your on your conference call, 
do you have an email address that you can uh, give out? They can contact me uh, at the moment at faithfire, that's F-A-I-T-H-F-I-R-E within W-I-T-H-I-N at hotmail.com. I am in the process of building my site and getting everything else set up for Power Behind the Dream, and that will will change. But for the, the weekly calls that we have, they are welcome to join us every night, uh, every Friday night, that is, at 8.30 Central Standard Time. And I have the, the call-in number as 402-756-9000. And there's an access code that goes along with that to be able to access the line. It's 973-850. And you press the pound key and it, it will let you on. Like I said, it's every Friday night from 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I purposefully never put an ending time after that because I want them to feel free to communicate what they need to express and express themselves in a way that they're comfortable with. We do come on. It's not so structured where you can't feel comfortable sharing yourself with everyone. It's a family-type atmosphere, and we it's, it's laid back, but we are laid back with purpose. Good. We do have an agenda and that's every 930, call. That's 930 Eastern Standard Time. If Correct. Yes. Yes, good. I've, I called in a couple times. Actually, you, you had me on your show just last week, and then yes. a good friend of mine, Brian Henderson, he's not – he was going to help us co-host the show today. He's not on, but he, he and I, we were on there. We had a really good time. The show lasted. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, <laughs> the show lasted for uh, a little over three hours, and the kids were there. Everybody was active, and we all we had a, a wonderful time. And not only did we teach to the kids, the kids also taught us. So I learned a lot, and I was so open and willing to just listen to them. And I did receive some emails from them, and, it was, and the, the kids on there are just so sweet. They are so sweet. So, again, that's going to be, you're on every Friday from 8.30 Central Standard Time mm -hmm. to, and, and if you're on the East Coast, it's 9.30. If you would, give that number and that access code out again. Sure. That number is 402-756-9100. And the access code is 973-850, and you'll need to press pound after that to access the call. Good, good. Again, the, today's topic is you can do more, and our co-host is Terry Brock from Texas, the president and CEO of Power Behind the Dream. Uh, Terry, one of the things that, uh, one of the topics, another topic that I want to get into uh, when dealing with the youth, and not just with the youth, but I think it's with everyone, when we have life situations to happen to us. And what I mean is all of us uh, know someone or had someone in our family or a loved one to pass, and we're dealing with death. And, you know, when you're dealing with death and you're dealing with youth, everybody handles death differently. Right. Some of us, we're able to deal with it um, in a way that, um, not so harming, and some of us aren't. A lot of the kids, they go into a shell. Some of us are able to pray and leave it in the Lord's hand, and then we understand. But I think a lot of that has to do with our foundation. 
Mm-hmm. I think our foundation has a lot to do with how we deal with life situations. It's it's like when you're going to Sunday school and you're going to church and your your parents are teaching you, they're building that foundation. Now, a lot of times when, when these kids are in the detention centers and in your place as well, they're dealing with the foundation that was built for them. See, kids don't have a choice on the foundation that they have. So if the kids are built on a solid foundation, they, they know that they can pull from that foundation when life situations happen. And also the kids that the foundation is a little rocky, they're going to pull from it either positive or negative, and they're going to explain or they're going to react how and, and what's based on what they know. So how do you deal with kids and you tell them, uh, when, when, when life situations happen, or just life in general, uh, someone may die, uh, someone may may rob their house, or or they may get in trouble or get caught stealing, or just peer pressure. When and, you know we 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 call that life. That's just life. That's going to happen. We're going to have to deal with that. A right. lot of times, all of us we're either coming in something or going out of something. So we're all we're all dealing with issues. What do you tell the kids when you sit down and you talk with them? Well, really it depends on the child and where they where their head is already. Right. I have to gauge that and also what they're dealing with at, at that particular time. I don't believe in just going in there and just saying just a general, oh, it's going to be okay type of message because kids are really hurting these days and they're, dealing with, they're not dealing with general things. They're dealing with, like you said before, specific things that are happening in their lives and at the moment usually they're thinking I'm the only one in the world facing this they don't think that but that's the way that it feels to them like no one else has no one else can understand where they are a lot of us adults are dealing with that too (laughs) exactly yes and that is so true but the way that I handle it is first I give them a chance to talk about what's going on if they want to. I don't press the issue if they don't. I just feel them out and see where their heart and their head is and just go from there. Um, For instance, if, uh, like going back to the JJAEP kids that I I work with, my 7th and 8th graders, I had one girl come in and tell me that she was dealing with the option of remaining a virgin, Right. or losing her virginity that weekend that was coming up. This was Friday afternoon she was telling me this, and she was like, "Miss Brock, my parents are going to be working this weekend, and this boy really likes me, and my friends don't know it yet, but I've never had sex, and I want to be where they are. I want to you know, be able to, uh, to join in on the conversations that they talk about, and I just don't want it anymore anyway. I want to be free of that, and so... I sat down with her and talked to her and asked her her specific reasons as to why she wanted to do that beyond the reasons that I just gave. And I showed her I didn't resolve that issue for her. I allowed her to come to her own conclusions and make her own decisions. But ultimately, she saw that that was not in her best interest. First of all, she was in the seventh grade, and this was a few years back. She was in the seventh grade. And she was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Wow. And just all I did was laid out the facts and let her hear them and feel them with her heart out loud. Sometimes I think you have 
Yeah, I think uh, what's what's so important about this and and you talking with her is she opened up, she trusted you enough to open up to you to tell you that she's dealing with this. And a lot of kids, they don't have anyone that they can go to and tell, you know, explain what's on their heart and what they're dealing with. I think a lot of parents, we get out of touch with what's going on. We right. feel that as long as our kids are they're going to school and they're coming home and we know they're safe from that, we know that they're safe in our homes, they may not be safe mentally because right. of the peer pressures and things that they have to deal with. What we see is on the outside. We just don't go in and, and that's a parent's worst nightmare is to go in the room and say, okay, well, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about drugs. Let's talk about these things that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, as parents these days, because of economy, a lot of the parents have to work longer hours. Some of them have to get two, two jobs, right. part-time jobs. Right. So they're really not spending a lot of time at home and, and teaching the children, because times are changing. Whether we believe it, accept it, or acknowledge it or not, times are changing, and, and these kids are faced with situations that would just blow you away. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Brian, my friend Brian and I, we went and spoke at a church. And we did this exercise. We told the kids, if you could ask any question of the opposite sex, what would you ask? And we read we read all of the, the little notes that the kids wrote down. We asked them to write them down and not, and not put their name on them, and they put them in a bag. And we, Brian and I, we pulled them from the bag, and we read the questions. Well, right away, we knew the questions that were being asked from the girls. We knew the questions. We we knew just based on the questions that they were asking. Now the mm-hmm. boys, their question was a little, you know, a little out there a little bit. They really wasn't asking crazy, crazy questions. They were asking questions like, "Why do girls talk so much? <laughs> why, why, do, why do girls argue so much?" But the little girls, they were asking. I mean, they were asking adult questions. And we're talking about kids from the age of 8 to 16. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the questions that really stood out to me, and it, it, it was not only did it stand out, it was, it was hurting to read it. The question was, why do men rape little girls? Wow. Why do men rape little girls? She didn't ask, why do boys rape girls? She said, why do men rape little girls. Mm -hmm. So obviously something has happened in that household or wherever she is, and it was so sad. But the fact that they they did that exercise and we we kept all of the questions and we turned them over to the pastor of the church, and it floored him because he didn't know. The parents didn't know. Sometimes, again, we are so far out of tune with the kids till it's just, we we just, it's just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. It's just mind blowing. Did 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 the girl ever talk to her parents? Did you tell her that she needed to speak with her parents, or she wasn't comfortable with that, or how, how did you handle it? I encouraged her to talk to her mom because she seemed like she was closer to her mom. She never really talked about her dad, so I didn't really push that issue. I wasn't sure if he was present in the house right. or not. Right. She talked about him a little bit, but I got the sense that maybe he was outside of the household, but. What I did, I let her talk and get her feelings out. Like you said a moment ago, she had no one 
to express herself to and express her concerns to. She had younger siblings, but, of course, you're not going to tell your younger sister what you're thinking about. Right. So, and her peers, you know, she she didn't have them either because she just didn't feel comfortable letting op- her heart open to them like that. Right. So I left the door open for her to come back and talk to me whenever she needed to, and she did that. And just in doing that, her whole demeanor changed. She pulled away from that decision. I'm thinking she was thinking about that right. because the boy was giving her the attention that she wasn't getting from anyone else. Wow. And that he was listening to her heart, too. He, she would talk to him sometimes, and he would listen. So that was an outlet that she didn't have, and she associated, you know, having sex with him as something else, that, an option that she, ha- she should have. Wow. If you're just tuning in, today's topic is You Can Do More. I have the president and CEO as a co-host, Terry Brock, on the call, and my name is Gregory Turner with Abundant Solutions Enterprises, and we're talking about life situations, and we're just now about, and, and Terry, I, I think what you're, what you're saying about the life situations and examples that you just uh, talked about, I think that that's a solution, uh, it's communication is what you're saying. Is that what you're saying? Communication is probably yes. the main key um, to to this issue. Exactly. You have to have that line of communication open, and you have to give the kids a chance to know that they have choices. She felt like she had no choices, and I, I find that so prevalent among the kids that I work with. The youth, they feel like they have either no choices or just certain choices that they have to choose from. And when you open up that world to them and let them know, hey, you have more choices out there, there's an abundant amount of choices that you have, all you have to do is dream and press forward into that dream, and you can choose to be anything that you want to be. Yes. You know what? I I go into the jails and prisons, and I talk with the, the guys in there, and one thing that I learned is if you take choices away from a person, well, actually, you can't take the choices away from the person. If someone is speaking death into the life of an individual and that person starts believing that death, what they're doing is they're taking their choices away themselves. And once you take, once your choices, once you feel that your choices have been taken and stripped away from you, you're actually living in a prison in your mind. And at some point, you're going to have to free yourself. If not, you'll go into a stage of depression and what you and, and what someone else has spoken in your life, you're going to continue to speak that into another person's life, and it goes on and on and on and on until you say, enough is enough. I can't live in this invisible box anymore. Mm-hmm. There's life out there for me, and there's some things that I want to do. I have dreams. I have goals. I want to achieve these things. I know that I can do it because these things are continually pulling at me on a daily basis. I have friends that tell me all the time that calls me because I'm a sports freak. I, I coach pee wee football, and I have friends calling me all the time. Let's go watch. Let's go to the to the the, the, the place to watch the game. We'll go to a restaurant. And we'll watch a game. Well, mm-hmm. I stopped doing that. I stopped doing that last year because I'm not going to watch these kids live their dreams, and I'm not doing anything to live mine. Mm. I watch. I used to watch the, the Grammys and the Oscars and the NAACP, the BET Awards. I, I can't watch that anymore because if I'm watching that and I'm not doing anything to reach my goals, why would I invest time in watching these people 
which says, mm-hmm. I have to live my life. I have to be happy and and live the life that I was created to live. So with these choices, that's a choice that I have, and I made a decision, and I'm sticking with that decision. And it's not that I'm hating on these players or these actresses. Or what, it, that's not it. It's that I am investing time in me. That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm making an effort to live the life that I want to live, that I always dream about living, and that's what I'm doing. So when I go into the prisons and I talk with the guys in there, that's the first thing that they say, I made a bad choice. And I tell them, you know what, the world is going to say you made a bad choice for the rest of your life. You're going to hear that. They're not going to let you forget that. They're not going to let you live that down. But one thing about it, once you have a relationship with God and you repent of that, God forgives you immediately. But the world is not going to do that. It's not the big world that's against you. It's the little world. It's the negative people that's always trying to hold you down. The big world is always pulling at you, telling you, yes, you can do this. We're waiting on you for your greatness. We're waiting, we're waiting on you to step up to the bat to say, okay, this is what I was created to do to help others. What are you doing, Terry, with your time? What What are you investing in? Wow. Is that a question for me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I kind of went, went out there a little bit, but what are you doing? No, it's fine. What am I doing? I have so many goals and so many dreams that it's, Sometimes I have to focus because I get out there and I want to get everything done at one time and get everything fulfilled at one time. But you have to have focus. And so in answer to your question, what am I doing, what I'm focusing on right now is how can I be most effective in helping my kids to pursue their dreams and do what they were called to be. Doing that is my calling. So when I do that, I only help. I not only help them fulfill theirs, I fulfill my own. Right now, I'm building up my organization, which is PBAD, Power Behind a Dream, and that's what we do. We encourage kids to explore their choices, to explore their dreams, and we give them the outlets to do that, express themselves in whatever way they feel led by God to do. We do that via calls once a week. I have given my kids my personal number so they can call me when they're dealing with something. As a leader, I find that you're not going to be effective if you're if you're not accessible to the kids. You can't you can lead hands on better right. than you can lead being way elevated above them. So you're so, so you so you're a mentor to these children. Yes. Good. Yes I am. Good. That's tied into to what we do and I feel that I'm most effective, like you said a moment ago, you walk the walk. You don't sit back and watch everyone else fulfill their dreams without you doing the same. And I feel the the responsibility to do that in front of my kids. The best example that I can give them in fulfilling a dream is to do my fulfill my own. And so I share with them the struggles. I'm not dishonest with them. You know, I tell them the truth in love hey, this is what you're going to be facing. It it may not be easy, but it's possible. It's possible. And, right, I just show them by example 
what it's like to walk through the steps of pursuing your dream and being an example to them is important to me because you show them this can be done because I see her doing it. She's not just talking a lot of talk. She's living it. Yeah. And if she can do it, then I can do it too. Yeah. Listeners, if you want to call in, if you have any questions, if you have anything that you would like to share with us, the call-in number is 718-508-9600. Again, that's 718-508-9600. And, Terry, to piggyback on what you what you were saying I think one of the most important parts of how a person can live their dreams is they have to pay attention to the people that are around them. You and I, we we spoke about this just the other day about negativity, and basically the negativity, all it is is a dream killer. Mm -hmm. So many people will come into your lives and they'll tell you that, oh, I'm your friend, and they'll try to do whatever they can as long as you're doing and dancing to their tune. But when you want to spend time away doing your dream and working on your dream and your goals, they want to know what it is that you're doing. When they find out that you have dreams and you have goals, a lot of them, I'll say nine out of ten, will come against you. They'll tell you that you can't do it. They'll tell you that it's impossible. If you don't believe me, just, again, if you if you watch the award shows, these people, they're standing up there, they'll say, they'll, you hear them say it all the time. No one believed in me. Mm-hmm. People told me that I couldn't do this. Prime example, read the bio of Tyler Perry. The bio of read the bio of Maya Angelou, Oprah Winfrey, Denzel Washington. These people they're saying it every single day. It happens all the time. And you you were giving you were telling me a story, well not a story, you were, it, it really happened. You you said that you had some friends that were negative and they constantly call you and complain. How did you deal with that situation? It's tough because, of course, you love them because they're your friend. But as you said, you have to be careful who speaks into your life and how they speak into your life. Yes. I had a few friends but um, that did that, but one in particular would call me and share her life with me. Of course, that's what friends do. But I started to notice that, at first, I thought she was calling me for solutions. So, of course, I was a friend, and I would listen and, you know, offer solutions. But then I found, like we spoke about a few days ago, you and I, that she was calling me just for an outlet, just to be able to, to, to rant and rave or do whatever the situation called for that she was telling me about just to get it out. And I was taking all of that in. And I think you said to me one time that when you listen to someone do that, you go to that place where they are emotionally. Yes. So when she's doing all of that, I'm going there with her, and it, it was just a, a, a cycle. And I found my own self being pulled down. Every time I talked to her, she would pull me down. I, I would end up feeling depressed, and, you know, I would be thinking about her situation in a way that wasn't healthy for me. So I had to pull back some. Wow. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. tough. That's a tough. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I had to pull back and stop spending so much time with her or stop accepting her calls just to be able to regroup myself and find and I eventually found that she was the source of that. So it's tough because you don't want to be in a place where you have to completely shut friends out, but if that means your sanity, if that means that you're going to be more effective by doing that, then sometimes you're going to have to do it. Yes, I agree. 
I have I've had situations where coworkers uh, dealt with some very very painful issues, and you you know in our calling the things that we do, it, we pour out so much into other people, and it's so hard when you're pouring out on a daily basis like what I do, for example I go to the prisons I go to the detention centers and. I just spoke at a youth uh, conference just the other day. You're giving so much of yourself. You're pouring so much out into others, but no one is pouring into you till it gets to be a burden. You can yeah. tell the ones that are being um, sincere with with issues. You know, because they're not going to keep coming to you with that same issue day in and day out, day in and out, beating you up with it. You You get to work. You're in a good mood, but here comes this complainer or a person complaining, my feet hurt, this is happening, this is going on all the time, and all you hear is negativity coming from this person. It actually drains and pulls your energy out of you. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, I, I say tell them to keep mm-hmm. your sanity, to keep your peace between you and that person. I say tell them. You know, I understand that you're going through what you're going through. But I have issues that I have to deal with, and I'm not going to let anybody else put their burdens on me. That's not sincere. That's going to take away my joy. I can't. I can't have anyone speaking negativity in me, because it's like a cancer. That thing spreads all over the place. I was reading, for every negative comment made to you, to counter that and defeat that one negative uh, comment. You have to hear something 17 times, it, and it has to be something positive to defeat that one negative. Wow. So that just tells you how powerful negativity is. And a lot of us, we live in it, and we don't even realize it. And like you were saying earlier, a lot of the children, they are growing up in this environment, a negativity environment, a negative environment, I'm sorry. And how do they overcome that? I think, I say, to overcome that negative environment, they need to find new people to be around. They need to find positive people that are doing the things that they want to do. Yeah. Basically, what you're doing on your conference call, you're pulling these kids, not all of them are in negative environments. You're pulling these kids from a negative environment into a positive one. And that's why these kids are calling in and they're, they're happy. A lot of them are graduating high school. I know two of the girls on your conference call, they're graduating from high school this year. One yeah. of them is about to become an author of a book. Mm-hmm. So it's you know I, I I I you know pat you on the back for what you're doing because you're making a difference in someone's life, and it's not so it's not about money. It's not about that. It's not enough money in the world to to take over from one of these kids calling you and saying, Terry, you know what? You really helped me make a good decision today. And I really felt good about what we talked about. So now I'm going to call you when I'm going through something. And it's so good that I can call you and count on you to know that you're there for me. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people say that's a big responsibility. It's really not a big responsibility. You don't take it as that when you're working and you're calling. No. So, you know, it, it, it's just a wonderful thing to be out there helping others. It's a beautiful thing. But, but again, you have some children. You have some grown-ups. They don't have anyone that's speaking life into them. What do you suggest that 
the ones out there that don't know this, how do they pull themselves out of that? First, I just want to uh, touch on something that you said. You said that you um, commend me for doing that. I give all glory to God because I could not do any of this without him, you know, guiding me. He gets all of the credit for it, all the credit for it. Um, What do I do to encourage them? I continue to be accessible to them and just let them know that I'm there if they need someone to listen. I'm there if they need someone. If they want my opinion, they know Terry will give you her opinion. Whether they like it or not. Whether they like it or not. You may not want to hear it, (laughs) but I will tell you so they know. Don't ask unless you want me to tell you the truth because I'm not going to sugarcoat you and allow you to do something or for something to happen that I knew better. Right, right. So that's what I do. As far as being their mentor, that's all a part of that. And in a way it's a responsibility because there is a seriousness behind it. But like you said, you get to you get to see them through their joys, not just their sorrows, but their successes. You get to see them Two of my girls are graduating from high school this year, and I'm I'm, I'm beaming like I'm a parent. (laughs) I don't have any kids, but they are my kids. But you get to see them through that, the good parts and the challenges, and show them that you can do, you can go through both, and and be okay. That's that's what they need to know that it's going to be okay, regardless of what their decision is. They can mess up and still be successful. Nobody is perfect, That's not right. even me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I coach, I, I said before, I coach people with football. Uh, the kids are ages from 10 to 11. And I never, I've been doing this since 1997, and I never knew the impact that I had on these kids until now when a lot of the kids are in college, they come up to me and they said, you know, you changed my life, or I remember you said this at a game, in a game at halftime. You said something to me. You whispered something in my ear, and it and I, and I remember that. And and you see parents. I, I sometimes I go places and I see parents of the children that played on the team, and they remember me and they can tell me. You know, one parent, this lady, she 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 just started tearing up. She said, "I want to thank you." for helping my kids. And the only thing that I could say back to her was, ma'am, you know what? I learn more from the kids than I teach them. They teach me about life. Because when I leave work, when I leave the struggles of the world to go be with these kids, these kids are only going to give you honest. That, that, they're just going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. They, they they love you, and they, and they 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 don't judge you like the world does. These kids, they just give you what you give them is what they're going to give back to you. Right. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I encourage anyone out there, if you have some time, if there's anything that you want in life, I read, uh, I was listening to Zig Ziglar about a month ago, and he said you could have anything that you want as long as you help others get what they want. Mm. So we are all ministers, and the, the meaning of minister is to serve. We can we can get an hour a week or an hour a weekend to do something to help someone. We can go to the hospitals and just do whatever, or we can go to the nursing homes or or volunteer at a school. 
if all of us did that, this world would be in much better shape. So much better. So much better shape. Now, the next thing I want to go through, Terry, Mm -hmm. fear. Fear. A lot of us are afraid to go after our dreams and goals because we are afraid of failing. Have you dealt with that? Did you deal with that when you were trying to get your company up and going? Did you say, well, I have this dream. I put it on paper. This is how I want to do it. Okay, now it's time for me to do it. Uh, you start hearing that little, did you hear that little voice that said, you can't do this. You can't make a difference in these kids' life. You don't have the experience to do this. What make you think you could do this? You, It will not work. No one's going to call into your show. These kids aren't going to listen to you. You're just going to make a fool of yourself. Did you, did you have to struggle with that or did you face that at all? Wow. On a certain level, I did. But I had an extra, I had a twin situation. I dealt with that. Plus, at the same at the same time, I dealt with the fear of success. Wow. Um, would I be able to handle my company or those that were coming to me once it was up and running? Could I continue doing it? And what I found with both the fear of failure and the fear of success is the root of it. It's just you're going on your own power. And when you do that, that's where the fear comes in in whatever form. When you're just speaking personally, when you're dealing in God's power, there is no failure. So if there's no failure, there's no fear to me. And the way that I dealt with that, I had many tearful moments. (laughs) Um, and dealing with that late nights, pacing the floor, asking God, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't get me mixed up with somebody else next door? <laughs> did you get the callings mixed up? Or are you sure that I'm ready for this? I did have those late nights where I thought that in the beginning. But once I prayed and left it to God to show me, this is what I call you to do. No one else can do this but you. I designed this for you. And once I internalized that and accepted that as truth, then the fear, the strength of the fear went away. I'm not going to lie and say that I don't get those fearful moments every now and then because the enemy will come in and try to bring that old stuff back to you to uh, distract you. I do have those from from time to time, but they're not as strong as they were in the beginning. The, The hardest thing to do when you're pursuing a dream or launching a business or doing anything that's meaningful for God, the hardest part is the beginning because you're you're stepping out on faith, you're stepping out on things that you've never done before. And I forget who said it, but it it sticks with me. In order to become something that you've never been, you have to do things that you've never done. So you have to be willing to step out on on that faith and just try it. You're going to fail at at a few things. That's normal. There's learning in failure, though. You know how not to do it the next time, or you know what doesn't work. Yes. You know what? The reason I ask you those questions is because those are some of the things that happened to me when I started mine. Really? <laughs> I, I was about to, I thought I was going to go crazy. I thought well, so many sleepless nights because it was pulling at me, and mm-hmm. I heard I heard less 
Brown said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to become great. And I thought about Michael Jordan. He didn't make the basketball team in the 10th grade. He could have hardened his heart, became angry, and never tried again. Instead, he did what he should have done. He went out. It, it, it gave him energy. It gave him more energy. And you have to ask, would he have been who he is now if he would have made the team in the 10th grade? Or would he just have been a, a mediocre player? Or, or, or because of the because of the pain, because of the rejection, he was able to elevate himself further. So, in starting a company, it's a big responsibility. And it's funny that you say a lot about the success. A lot of people are afraid of the success because of the responsibility that comes behind it. Exactly. There's a big, big responsibility, mm-hmm. and the world a lot again. The smaller world is going to shoot at you. They're going to come out against you at all angles. And if a lot of people, if you don't believe that the devil is alive, you go out and you pursue your dreams and you do something to help someone. Mm. And you will see who he is. You will see. You will rise up like never before because you're planting seeds. And these seeds will grow. He don't want you to plant those seeds. And that's what I had to wrestle with. And that's why I, I we talk all the time, and that's some of the things that I, I try to tell you because I've been there, I've, I've done it, and I tell you all the time, you can do it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping you but you. And you have a choice to believe that negative voice in your head. You have a choice to believe that one, or you have a, vo- a choice to believe that sweet inner voice that's that's so sweet, you know who it is. Mm-hmm. You have a choice to believe. Which one would you believe? A lot of times we listen to the, the situations, and we allow those situations and distractions to drown out that sweet inner voice. Nothing can drown that voice out unless you let it. We start focusing in on that closed door when actually God has already opened the other doors, but because we're focusing on that, we don't see the other ones behind it. And he won't close those doors. He'll leave them open. You can cry, scream, pray, do whatever you want to do. But until you make a decision to believe in him and to believe that you can be all that he created you to be, and once you know who you are, you'll see those doors. You'll see them. Now, in dealing with fear, what do you tell the kids in PBAT? What do I tell my kids <laughs> in PBAT? I tell them, like you said a moment ago, to expect the enemy to do his job, okay. and that is to put put the sense of fear in you. He's going to do his job. Exactly. He's going to do his job. <laughs> but on the other side of the coin, you have to expect God to do his job, and that's to show you where he needs you to go and how to get there. So in ministering to my kids on Friday, we address what fear is. We break it down to its smallest parts according to what their fear is. Like one of my girls said that um, that she was afraid of this is crying in front of someone mm-hmm. because this is one of the simpler things that we talk about. We go into some deep things, but this is just something in general. 
And I asked her what that fear, what it was about. And it's just being vulnerable before someone else. And when I tell them to face their fears, I mean, you can do that in a general way. I hear people say all the time, you have to face your fears in order to be successful, but no one tells you how to do that or why you need to do that. So um, I tell my kids that they need to see who's behind that fear. God does not give you any type of shape or form of fear at all. No source of fear, nothing comes from God that is linked to fear. Right. I just tell them, you know this is the enemy, okay? You know this is the devil trying to have his way and to break the ice and the tension on the call sometimes. Not tension, but to break the the seriousness of the call. I'll joke with them and tell them, okay, when you're fearful or when you feel that the enemy is coming against you in such a hard way, choose to do the opposite of what he's telling you to do. If he's telling you to be fearful, then you picture yourself with a cape flowing behind you, and you're a supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> you are strong and mighty. And get a mental picture of him being in the corner, in a timeout, having his little temper tantrum because you didn't do what he told you to do. And that will that will bring down any, that will shake up your mindset and get you out of that fearful state. That it sure will. And one thing I said on your your call last week, well, I didn't say it; it just came. God, God spoke through me to 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 say it, but I'm gonna say it again here. You know, when we go to church on Sundays, we are so full of energy, we're so full of the Word that there's there's absolutely nothing that we can't do. We feel that we could do everything, anything. We feel that no matter what comes our way, it's done. It's done. We have victory. Now, that's why we're in church. Now, when we come outside of the church, we get in our cars. That inner voice is at us. You can't do this. You cannot do this. What makes you think you can do this? As the week, as it goes on into the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we start feeling life happening to us. The distraction starts coming in, and we're not as strong as we were in church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel like, oh, Lord, God is just left me i feel so far from god i I just i just don't i just don't know how i'm gonna get through this well the question you need to ask yourself is anytime that you feel far from god who moved he didn't move he still you were holding his hand on sunday but you let it go by wednesday Mm. why did you let it go because the ways of the world came at you because someone said something negative because you received an irs letter in the mail because you received that phone call saying that your mother or father has passed? What is it? You can still hold on to his hand even through that. And when you hold his hand and, and, and squeeze it tight through those situations, you will not experience fear. So I understand what you're saying. And it's a, it's a day-to-day struggle, and we all face with it. And, I, I you know, you, we have to stay prayed up. We have to... Reach out to others. Yeah. And a lot of times we, when we keep this in to ourselves, that's one of the things that the enemy will try to do to us. He'll tell us, he'll make you isolate yourself from others. Mm. A lot of times we, we're down. 
You don't want to open the curtains. You don't want to go to school. The phone will ring. You won't answer it. A lot of women are being beaten. A lot of kids are being molested. A lot of things are happening in the world today. And a lot of us, they, we, we go into this shell and we think less of ourselves. That's what the enemy wants us to do. But when you can come out of that shell, and no matter what happens, you open those curtains and you let that light shine in, don't stay in the darkness. Don't stay in the darkness. Come out of that and go into the light. When you come out of that and you talk with people, when you, 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 you dig deep and you hold on to God's hand and you say, listen, I'm going to beat this. It's possible. You continue to say it's possible. It's possible. When you, start, when you believe that it's possible, that's when the impossible will happen. But as long as you stay within those four walls and you keep those curtains closed, you will remain in darkness. God is there if you allow him to come in. Have you ever experienced that? Me personally, yes. <laughs> um, I've gone through some things in my life, different stages in my life from, from the beginning when I was little that have taught me so many different things about the things we've been talking about today, fear and faith and choices. Um, wow, I could keep you guys on the line forever <laughs> talking about choices, but what it all boils down to, you have to be conscious of what your choices are. And if you don't know that you have choices, you tend to make the wrong choice. Yeah. And just as far as depression goes or being closed off, it is so easy to do. And you may not even realize that you're doing it for, you you can be in that state for so long before you even realize that that's what you're doing. Yeah, that's so true. I, right. You, you have a tendency to draw within yourself, and when you're focused on self, that's, that's all you can focus on. But God is not going to want you to – he doesn't want you to focus on self. He's always encouraging you, others, others. What can you do for others? And the enemy is always focused on, well, what about you? Wow. What, it has you with the what about me mentality. So if you ever find yourself, and I'm speaking to myself right now, <laughs> if you ever find yourself where the only thing you're thinking about is, okay, what about me? Or somebody does something to you, uh, well, what about me? If your mindset is always me, 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 that's not, the, that's not God, that's the enemy. If you're always or if you have the majority of your time always going on, focusing on others, what can I do to help this person? Okay, I'm hurting. I just had a death in the family, or I'm going through this, but okay, I'm dealing with it, but how can I help you? How can I help someone else with what they're struggling with? That's God. Yeah. The, enemy is, the enemy is not going to encourage you to go help somebody else. And that goes in, that ties in with you can do more. Terry, right. we've come down to the last minute of the show. We're going to have to close this thing out, but I tell you what, it's been an exciting hour. Uh, yes. And uh, it's, we're, we're on here, and the focus of the show is, is to teach everyone or to let everyone know that you could be more, do more, and have more. Terry, if, if people want to get in contact with you for speaking engagements, how would they contact you? At the moment, you can contact me at Faith 
Fire Within, that's F-A-I-T-H-F-I-R-E-W-I-T-H-I-N at Hotmail.com. And you can also come on the line with us. Our youth calls are every Friday night at 8.30 Central Standard Time um, and talk on our Power Behind a Dream call with the youth every Friday. Okay. And you can reach me at Gregory Turner at AbundantSolutionsEnterprises.com. You can also go to my website, AbundantSolutionsEnterprises.com. We will be, we will, you know, th- we thank you for coming on the call, Terry. And we thank you thank guys you. for listening in. And we can't wait to be on uh, the show next Saturday at 2 p.m. Bye.